0: Welcome back to A Fresh Story, the podcast where we have conversations about brave decisions to start over again.
1: I'm Jenny. And I'm Olivia. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello, 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 sister. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm freezing. It is it's cold. It's freezing, yeah.
0: I walked outside this morning. Um, You were up with the kids at the bus stop, and I was going to go meet you. You guys were in the car, and I was going to meet you, and I was going to walk, and I got about a quarter of the way there. It's it's a tenth of a mile. It's not far. <laughs> and I said no, and I turned home. <laughs> it was too
1: cold. They. The only thing I could keep thinking is it should be cold. In
0: it January, should
2: be cold. Uh, that February, is whatever
1: we're in in New York. So I'm glad it's cold, but it is really cold. Yeah. So we're both bundled up. Jenny has taken to wearing a turtle like sweater with a sweatshirt over it. Like she's some sort of Martha <laughs> Stewart and the Hamptons. But yeah, um, with, a, with a silk scarf wrapped around. Very Diane Keaton. <laughs> So um, this was a really special episode, I'm going to say, for us to record. Yes. This is a person. So Chaz Thomas is somebody we've had in our life since I was five and yeah. you were three. Yeah. And um, he is probably one of the most brilliant people that I've like ever encountered in my life, like truly. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Just like and modest. We're so, so modest
1: freaking humble.
0: I couldn't like he's like, Yeah. And then I was when like, When we talked to him, he was things. like, Yeah, I just, I'm starting a new job as a data analyst. And it's like, Oh, that's what you do? Cause we just knew him. I mean, I knew that he had a job, but I know I'm just a brilliant artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. but also he's a data analyst at like big companies. I mean,
1: so he um He's also like an incredible reader. All these things he he yeah. talks about it. There's a lot of things he's done in his life that uh, he just like like casual, s- casual so, <laughs> like mentioned it. We're like, excuse me, come again. Um, but he's also so he is an incredible artist. His art is beloved mm-hmm. by like so many people. Um, he's shown in galleries. He has such a unique perspective on art, and we get it. We talk a lot about his art and where that came from. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of
0: his art is triggered, not triggered, but is is um comes through nostalgia yeah. and I actually think that our recording was pretty interesting because I think it really tapped into our nostalgia for this place that we all grew up together the mm-hmm. school that we all went to together and how it was a very special place and even though it has its flaws and its troubles it really did perform in a way for a lot of us in a very important uh, role in our lives yeah including to us uh, and he is su- he is such a positive view of that place like it was yeah, so so sweet beautiful to see it through his eyes
1: yeah yeah and he uh, you know the interesting thing I think you related a lot to this Jenny was this like duality right of like mm-hmm. he is incredibly creative and artistic but also yes. the brain for engineering and, and math yeah. and like data and all this stuff so it was a beautiful honest conversation and um we were so happy to chat with him and he's been a huge just like a, a such a great friend like in adulthood too to yeah. have somebody and you know um When I was getting separated, you know, he reached out and he was raised by a single mom and he just said some things I will, I will never forget. And it was so sweet. And so we hope that you enjoy our conversation Mm -hmm. with Chaz and please remember to rate, review and subscribe to a fresh story so that we can keep telling fresh start stories. Chaz Thomas is a self-taught artist and maker currently living in New Jersey. His work focuses on translating ideas or words into abstract paintings that focus on color, shape, and direction. Chaz's art is shown at galleries along the East Coast and is appreciated by celebrities and art collectors. And um, I am really excited about this episode because I've known Chaz since we were five years old. Um, We went to kindergarten. We started kindergarten together and we've known each other Literally for what thirty two years, which is insane, yeah, that's uh, very <laughs> crazy. insane. Um, and he's just always been a bright spot in my life. Such a such a warm, awesome person with so many beautiful stories and creativity to share. So when he and I were chatting recently, I was like, "Hey, you got to come on the show and talk about your journey because you've had an interesting journey." So, thank you for being here.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This is been it's been interesting watching. People from afar and seeing their endeavors and projects. And I'm so proud of you, you both of you for, for how the entire fresh starts project has been going. And it's just an interesting business model and it's, it touches on so many different topics. Um, I know obviously the divorce topic is a topic that you guys focus on, but the entire idea of a fresh start can apply to so many people in so many different ways. I'm just really excited to talk to you guys after seemingly oh, having you. not seen you guys in so I know, time.
1: I know. We got to come to one of your shows. Thank I God gotta, for come. the internet too. I know, oh, I know. Gosh. I feel like I talk to you more than I talk to like a lot of my other friends. Um, <laughs> but thank God for Instagram.
0: No, we yes. are so excited to be uh, have you here today with us. It's such a pleasure. And yes, I mean, Chaz is always like the older kid to me. So it's really cool to be having a conversation <laughs> with you. Um, but why don't you take us back to the beginning of your Fresh Start journey?
3: Yeah, I mean, fresh start. I feel like I've lived so many different lives, right? Yeah. Um, you know, starting on Long Island and going to, you know, the best private school on Long Island, mm. uh, my favorite private school on Long Island. <laughs> and, you know, that whole experience, and I feel like that's been the that was like the basis for everything, really. Um, then went to, you know, went from a public went from a private school to public school. Mm-hmm. Um, then went to small small LeBaron's College then restarted at another small liberal arts college.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, start, you know, was playing basketball, had a fresh start there, started running track. Um, and then all of a sudden like ended up just working. And so I guess as far as like where the fresh start begins, I, I guess for we looking at the most, most recent fresh start, it's probably been with the art stuff. Um, and it actually all started back in 2016. Um, I think 2016, I had um, just gotten just gotten married, I think, and I was tinkering around with some different creative ideas. And I started making wooden bow ties. Um, my grandma, most people don't know is my grandma um, was a seamstress for pretty much my entire life
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, until she wasn't able to do so. She had some, some nerve issues and she wasn't really able to sew anymore. Um, but like, it was interesting because like, as she was phasing out of that, that world, I was all of a sudden entering into her sphere of handmade crafts and was like asking her questions and like, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? How do I sew this? How do I sew that? So I started making these wooden bow ties and then um, I had an inkling like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I painted on the lenses. So I have a whole, I started painting on lenses and my favorite one was um, a, kind of a a take on the Peanuts collection in terms of Snoopy and and the Gang, um, which I I love Snoopy by the way. Um, (laughs)
1: Yeah, we do too.
3: And so um, I started painting that and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I was like, ah, it doesn't look how I want it to look. I'm like, well, I need to to be better at painting. Mm. So then I just started like painting on like super small canvases and started drawing with markers. Um, And then I was like, huh, I kind of like this painting on canvas thing. so I started like painting on canvases and then moved to New Jersey and I'm like, kind of still painting on canvases, like tinkering around a little bit. Um, and then all of a sudden um, the pandemic hits,
2: mm.
3: everyone's at home, not much to do. Um, at the time, the little guy was two in change. Um, and so I was like, I got to find something creative to help my brain, like do something. So I uh, picked up painting and just started like really like diving into it, um, trying different things um, and really kind of being guided by the things that influence me, which for me, I'm really drawn to like stark colors and shapes that are like kind of like every day. So, you know, like playing board games, like for me, board games are cool, but for me, the coolest part about board games is the actual board itself. So I've got like a whole bunch of like Monopoly series that I worked on. which are so
1: cool. I love, I mean, (laughs) I'm, I mean, I I tell you this all the time, but one of the reasons I need to make money in this world is to buy (laughs) your original pieces. I have a print of yours in my room. Um, And I want to get into it and everything like that, but yeah, tell us more kind of about your process and the, and the color. I love the colors that you choose.
3: Yeah. So it, it, it all kind of depends on what I'm looking at. I, I try to like focus on, Like the, I try to take like everyday kind of things and pull them out of their context and pull them into somewhere that's like where you don't recognize it. Um, Mm. So like, you know, taking a a side of a Monopoly board and pulling it out, right? Mm. Or um, like if you paint, for example, there are these little, if you look at a paint tube, there's the little stripes, which are the drawdown bars, which shows you how transparent the paint is. Mm. Some colors are really transparent. Some colors are really opaque. Um, And every time I go into, every time I was in in Michaels or any store, I would look and I would literally spend 20, 25 minutes just looking at those and looking at them and I'm just like, wow, this is so crazy how it like it's just like the black and white background, white with black stripes and then you've got the colors painted over Um, and come to find out that that's actually part of like a huge process of how they test paints and different companies have different processes and there's a whole assortment of drawdown, they're called drawdowns, but it's a whole assortment oh, of like yeah. drawdown sheets and drawdown bars. And it's, it's, a, it's like a whole separate part of the paint testing business. Um, but I was like really fascinated by that because I was like, oh my goodness, this is like so cool. The fact that it's just a single color on top of these you know, black and white colors, which you know can be interpreted however you want to interpret it. Um, but yeah, I was just really drawn towards that process. And I was like, well, how do I recreate that process at scale? So I started trying to like recreate like a drawdown. So I was taking like you know a tube of paint and squirting it across a canvas and trying to scrape it down, mm-hmm. and trying to get that same kind of feel and same kind of effect. Um, Cause that scale, like it's it's always interesting to see things at scale, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, ex- you expect something to be really small and then when you scale them up, it kind of changes how it feels. Um, and that's something that I've, I think I've focused on in a lot of my, my pieces, including like the, uh, the phone keypad series i had where i literally um so phone keypad series let's talk about that right yeah um so uh so growing up i think in the 9 years we were at eastwoods i think i might have had a house phone maybe for like 4 or 5 of those years mm-hmm. and never for a complete year never with the same number uh like if you were to ask me what my home phone number was back in X number a year, I probably yeah. couldn't. I could probably get. I could tell you the first three digits. I couldn't tell you the last four, right? Mm. Um, but at the same time, there was always a payphone around the corner for me, around the corner from my house, where we always like I always use, Like if I had to call my grandma or call mm-hmm. whatever, wow. that was the payphone. So like I became really like aware of of payphones, right? Where they are, especially like you know payphones went from being twenty five cents to fifty cents to a dollar. Like I recall those things with incredible detail because i know what it's like to be like trying to find another quarter so i could call my grandma or something like that right yeah. um so for me it was really cool to like be paying attention to pay phones and being like oh, i wonder what happens if you take a payphone keypad and blow it up so i started making these like giant buttons and then was like and i'd seen another artist like use um reflective tape and i was like i wonder what happens if like if i use a reflective tape and then i try to draw on it or if i use duct tape and try to create the buttons and I was like oh wow it actually kind of works um so I was just like really just like kind of walking down this nostalgia lane of like memories past but also bringing it like to the present because nowadays you don't see pay phones right like you know in the modern generation they're not used to even texting the same way like (laughs)
2: no. No, the- <laughs> like, like when we got
3: when we first got cell phones we had to actually like type out uh, mm-hmm. press the number two four times to get right, whatever, right. whatever right so like the fact that you know some people don't even realize like yeah the letters on the numbers actually mean something yeah and like and even before like we were like adults or before we were even like born yeah. like people would choose their phone number based on like if they could remember the sequence of uh of like what their numbers were so it's like yeah so for me i was like okay like i really wanted to make that um and it's just like i think that the biggest thing that i try to do is like try to like tap into like a memory or or an idea that's like Hmm. semi-universal and then i try to like bring it out of that context and then i try to bring it to scale um because i think that like art should speak to people so like for some people they'll see the phone pad and be like oh cool like it's a phone keypad and then other people will be like, oh man, like it's a phone keypad, like the one around the corner for me never worked. Or like, oh, right, like right. it's a phone keypad. Like you don't like there's only a small handful in New York City. And even still, like even in living in New Jersey now, there's only a handful of payphones that you see around. Um so yeah, so like I mean there I've got like this a bunch of notebooks of just like random ideas. Um and I haven't I, I feel like there are so many artists who they find a niche in terms of their style or what they, or how they create art. And then they stay in that niche and, it's, and, it, and it works really well for them. Like it's superb mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Like I've yet to find that niche, but what I have found is that like, I can still like, I, I've been experimenting with so many different ideas that like different parts of different ideas take hold of people in different ways. Um, So there are some pieces someone will see and be like, oh man, this reminds me of, Michael Jordan on the basketball court, and the other people will see the same piece and be like, "Oh, it reminds me of something else." And
2: yeah,
3: still just learning about the art world and
2: yeah,
3: like having those conversations. I mean, I don't think I took a class after. I don't think I took an art class after taking art with like Miss Moss.
2: Wow. Like,
3: <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, like yeah. I don't. That was probably the last art class I took was yeah. with her. Um, so it, it is interesting, like trying to learn about like the whole process of exploring creativity at an age when like you're tapping into so many different things and you're just trying to like build up those creative muscles. Um,
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You're an an incredibly curious person, right? So like you learned, I've looked at so many paint tubes and I (laughs) never knew that about what you just said about the drawdown (laughs) lines. And I'm, I have so many things to say. One is that I saw today, Olivia is going to, I think she's going to be mad that I'm saying this. The niche. I quote? saw, uh, yeah, no. they saw an Instagram post about how I'm gonna your niche up. should be like a feeling or like a result, basically. Here. It
1: says <laughs> niche down on a goal, not a market. Right.
0: Mm. And so mm. I feel like you've done that like you figured out your niche is nostalgia and like memory and right. and childhood. I mean I'm looking at the piece behind you which is a scantron if I'm not wrong, yeah. right? Yeah, that's
2: a scantron piece. That's yeah.
0: super like <laughs> that like springs up a lot for a lot of us, right? Some people feel uh, good when they see that some people feel anxious when they see that, anxious, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so like, you're, you're definitely like, you're working in that direction. Like whether that means you're so multi, you know, um, I can't get the word marketed, not, not marketed, but uh, like your uh, art supplies are different uh, multimedia as anything else. Like mm-hmm. you're going to, your, your niche is that solid thing. I, I, Also, like we talked about this just before, Chaz, you have a data analyst background. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: And so I think it's really interesting. We've talked to um, a couple of other people. We talked to Christine Borst, who has got a PhD in psychology and she's an illustrator. I am not in any way as accomplished <laughs> as you in either direction, but I'm like a numbers person and I I draw. And I can tell you that the way that you create art is very satisfying to my mind. <laughs> like I can see the precision, mm-hmm. especially in the pieces that you've been doing that are more like the checkerboards with the color. Um yeah. and I like I see it and I'm like, yes, that feels good. It scratches an itch in my mind. <laughs> and it just it's really satisfying. And I wonder sort of the intersection of that. And I also also wonder, like, where did that come from? That you started making wooden bow ties. It, like, had that been something that you'd been playing with your whole life? Of like art, were you drawing as a kid? Were you naturally creative? Um, was that something? So I, you, did can, you doodle?
3: I can answer that question for you. Yeah, I, I did not doodle a single bit at all. That doodling okay. was not was not my thing. I, I wasn't the. I'm not the. I'm not that that artist who pulls up a notebook from when they were seven. Like I was drawing. Every time no, I wasn't I was I was not doing that. Like if I had free time, I was either playing sports, yeah, or, or riding my bike mm-hmm. or reading a book. Right. Yeah. Um the wooden bow tie thing came about because I was working for the city of New York.
2: Mm.
3: Um and I was like the dress code was like, you know, required like shirt and tie. So I was like wearing shirts and ties and suits and doing that whole thing. Um and then one day I was like, Oh, like I think I stopped in like century twenty one. And I picked up like a bow tie, and and like a real bow tie, which I had, had only tied a real bow tie like twice before. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I see people wearing bow ties like the spring. I was like, they're classy. I'm like, I should wear a bow tie. So like, I bought like three bow ties because they were like seven bucks each, and I was like, oh, it's perfect. Twenty bucks, three bow ties. Mm-hmm. Easy. So I started wearing bow ties, and I was like, oh, this is actually like pretty cool. Like, it's a di- like it was a different form of neckwear. Like, it got a different reaction from folks. It kind of made me this very serious data analyst who kind of had like a slight fun side right like Mm -hmm. oh you wear bow ties right um so it was cool and then I was like all right well like I'm like how do I take this to the next level because you know bow ties are cool like bow ties are cool but like how do I put my own imprint on it I was like well what if I made a wooden bow tie so I literally like bought like a little cheap saw bought like a little piece of wood and like actually cut out like a hand cut wooden bow tie
2: Wow. and
3: I was like oh I'm like that's cool but I'm like But people are selling them online and they get the laser cut. And I was like, well, I can get them laser cut. It's New York City. I can find a laser cut. So I paid like 200 bucks and Mm. ended up getting like a whole bag of wooden bow ties. Um, And I was like playing with them. And and then I was like, I wonder what happens if you like change the shape.
2: Mm. So I
3: literally was like tinkering with shapes. And i had seen one person do an eyeglass bow tie and out of wood. And I was like, I can do that. And then I can add like additional elements onto that. So I like got, got a bunch more cut and had all these wooden bow ties that I was like tinkering with. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was staining them, painting them, wrapping them in fabric, like sewing the fabric, like sewing the actual uh, actual uh elastic mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. myself, right? It was a whole, I bought like a, like a mini sewing machine. It was a whole, whole process. Um And I think it was just more so like I wanted to wear something quirky. And and like kind of nerdy and like kind of creative, that was pretty like unique, right? And like yeah. I started I started wearing like the like the I remember like the first day I wore it I was like in my head I was just like this is so cheesy like, <laughs> I'm such a nerd for wearing this, and I'm wearing it on like on the subway and some guy's like yo that is a sick bow tie and I was wow. like oh thanks man and, and like I think I sold like 20 of them maybe like which is pretty cool I was like oh that's nice but then yeah. I was like okay well at scale this is really complex because it's taking me like two hours for each bow tie like I'm only trying to people like 40 bucks and I'm just like this is not reasonable at scale (laughs) no um so then I was like okay like let me that's when I started like doing the painting Mm. and then the painting kind of like took over because I was just like oh like the bow ties are cool but like the painting is where I'm having the most joy at right
2: Right. Mm.
3: um and yeah so and then it kind of just led me to like playing with different styles of painting and techniques and the whole precision based hard edge measuring precise painting um I think it just made sense to me I mean as a numbers person like Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a canvas and I'm just like okay well I I, I want it to be precise I want my lines to be straight I want lines to be crisp you know so I gotta measure I gotta tape right and so I'm measuring and I'm taping and then I'm measuring again and I'm taping again and um You can imagine that it took forever to figure it out but once i did i was like oh it's it's actually not that insane so i just kept on going with it um and that was even before i started like looking at other like artists who were using hard edge techniques Mm. hard edge is when you use tape or something like that to make Mm -hmm. crisp lines right and once i found that whole environment i was like holy smokes this is like an actual thing people people are doing this um which is cool because i've seen some really interesting artists but i also realized that like everyone brings their own unique perspective to what they're doing right and so i was like all right like this this makes sense to me so i should try to focus on just making stuff that makes sense to me and people who like it will love it and people Mm -hmm. who don't like it won't love it and like that's been an interesting like i don't say battle but it's an interesting like hurdle to overcome as an artist because like in the data world you're constantly given like A query you're given a question. Hey, how many of X widgets are there in this year, or Mm -hmm. how many widgets were made each year? So then you're writing queries and you're making the charts and you're making the graphs and you're making sure that the visuals look good and that you can tell the whole story. And then you have art where it's just like whatever you do is good. Mm -hmm. Like you can put a blue dot on a piece of paper and say that that's art. You can Uh or paint by the gallon onto a canvas and then walk away and say that's art. Like there's no right answer so it is kind of a exact opposite like it's two exact opposite two very opposite things for me where it's like numbers have a very specific outcome you're looking for and then art like there's an outcome that I'm looking for but there's never an outcome that I want people to walk away from it with like I kind of sometimes I want people to see like oh it's a scantron like yes Mm -hmm. it's a scantron but it's not about the scantron it's about like how you feel about the scansion right right?
1: anxious yeah Um,
3: (laughs) so it's 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 definitely been a process of just like growing and trying to just like mature as an adult through art which is an interesting way to think about it it's trying to just be like oh, okay like art you know is a is a vessel right and i've had so many Mm -hmm. different vessels but art's just like the current vessel for how i'm gonna grow and mature in this time period so
0: and isn't that like, a, it's a kind of a good parable for adulthood, which is like, whatever you do in adulthood, like there's kind of no right answer. It's not data anal- analytics. Like it's, you can't be like, this is, I did the right thing, right? You're like, yeah. I did the thing. This is what I intended. I'm not sure it came across. I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely, that's definitely spot on, right? Like, yeah, there is some, like, yeah, like there's sometimes there's sometimes the right answer is not the right answer. Right. Yeah. And the right answer for you. Exactly. Yeah. Not always the right answer. So I think that there's, and I've learned that even more like as, as a, as a parent, right. As a yeah. parent,
2: yeah.
3: You, you really get, um, tested in a variety of ways and mm-hmm. you're kind Good
0: of, way to put
3: you're, it. you're, you're forced to mature. Mm -hmm. in ways and in timelines that you may not have anticipated right yeah i want to come back to that
1: i want to come back to that (laughs) because i have a lot i could i have a million questions (laughs) i know it's so interesting because i obviously have known you for many three decades but there's a lot of your story like i don't know and i want to go back back to the beginning for a second you mentioned that you you were raised by your mom yeah and your grandmother was there yeah yeah
2: yeah and
1: you lived and he, he has a brother. Don't forget. Ferris. And your brother. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we, right. we yeah. love your brother. Yes, yeah. we grew up Shout with him out too. out yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. Um I was telling my second kids children. About... Uh, like you know, second children don't No, I was them. literally <laughs> I went on a walk today with my two boys and I was telling them all about you and your brother. But um you mentioned that sometimes you didn't even have a house phone in the house.
3: Yeah.
2: It and I want to just I want to just
1: juxtapose. <laughs> I want to juxtapose this for a second for the listeners here. So we we both, we all went to a very well-to-do private school on the Mm -hmm. north shore of long island which was one of the og private schools what was that like going to (sighs) a private school with people who had two pools in the backyard yeah and you didn't have a house phone sometimes
2: yeah
3: it was um it was interesting right i mean like i think i mean i entered Eastwoods, and i was what i think i was I turned four at Eastwood. I think I turned I think
1: you turned five at Eastwood. I
3: think I, I turned five at Eastwood. Yeah. I remember, that's right, because I turned... Because you're October. Turned, right. That's right, yeah. I'm sorry, so I turned... No, wait, but I was... See, I was always, I was always, like, the youngest kid in the class, though. Maybe you turned right, four. Right, but if you
0: turned... If you, no, started, you turned in kindergarten, did you start in kindergarten or... In pre- yeah, kindergarten. I started in kindergarten. So then you would have turned five in the school year. That would have been young. So I
1: turned six in kindergarten. I'm in right. March. Right.
3: Okay, okay, so that makes... Sense. Okay, yeah, so... Yeah. um, Yeah, so that was interesting so like I had grown up like I grew up in Huntington for the most part right and I was That's super true. young in, in Huntington um and Huntington as people may or may not know is incredibly diverse um mm-hmm. you've got Huntington Station you've got Huntington Village and you've Huntington Harbor right and those are mm-hmm. three very different places um so like I grew up between like Huntington Station and like Green Lawn and mm-hmm. like you know my mom did her best and my grandma did her best to just like keep like just keep me just like focused and doing whatever so, like, I, I was so young when I got to Eastwoods that, like, yeah. I was just like, oh, hey, it's school.
2: Like, mm-hmm. right
3: and, like, I didn't, like, I didn't know what other people, like, had going on in their personal lives, like, mm-hmm. what they went home to until, like, Playdate started, right? And mm-hmm. I remember going to classmates' houses and I'm just like, holy shit, like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, and it, it, it was, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't mind blowing right it was more so it was like oh okay cool this is what other kids have mm-hmm. and this is what other kids do and this is how other kids vacation and this is how other kids spend their summers and this is what other kids do in their free time like oh like some kids have piano lessons and hockey lessons and like i just go home um mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting and a credit to like classmates credit to teachers credit to parents i don't think anyone ever made me feel like less than right mm-hmm. no one ever made me feel like oh like chaz like oh like you can't go to chaz's or oh mm-hmm. like or oh like chaz can't come or oh chaz can't do this
2: mm-hmm. i think
3: everyone was kind of just like yeah like he's a classmate so like yeah make make it make it welcoming and so like that it's interesting like having been to school like been in school with you guys for like you know 9 years those nine years were so in, so in, so formative for who even who I am today.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Because like
3: nothing really like phases me. Like nothing really like intimidates me. I'm not like, oh wow, this is so this is such a great. Right, interesting. I'm, like oh like it's cool. Like people have money. Like some people come from lots of money, some people don't come from lots of money, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a that's not a a bearing on who they are as people or how they operate. Like that's just a function of just like a lot of stuff you can't control. Mm-hmm um so it was always interesting like just being in those two worlds and it, there came a point when i was like old enough to like understand the difference and to mm-hmm. see the difference and to also just understand that like that's just what it was
2: mm-hmm. um yeah
3: it never like it never hit me and was like oh man like these kids are so much cooler than me i was just like no nah, like they, their parents just have a lot of money and my parents don't okay cool what time is a soccer game right like like that was kind of uh, like how I went about looking at Eastwood, like look, looking at, looking at school and looking at everyone and like credit, like I said, credit to kids in our class. I think, Yeah. The, I mean, I, there came a point, I think people not knew, but people were old enough to understand that like not everyone lived the same life. Right. Like, I think that when you're young, you're just like, Oh, we're in school together. We're all the same. And then it's like, you could become older. It's like, Oh, like, there are different challenges that you observe Mm -hmm. other people having and you're just like oh you become aware of these things right um so yeah I mean how was it it was I'll say this I I wouldn't be who I am as a person if I hadn't gone to that school um I wouldn't just academically it set me on a path that was you know whatever um like it's funny like I, I can have more genuine conversations with the kids I went to school with who I might not have seen in 20 years than I can have with someone who I might have known in the past five years. Yeah. And it's not necessarily saying the past five years don't mean anything, it's more so that like-
1: No, I understand. you're going through
3: like a formative time period and you're, I'm seeing kids as, as they're actually like maturing from like little small kids into like kids who are kind of worldly.
2: Mm-hmm. Before
3: they're going off to college, before they're going to high school, so it's like a really interesting time period, where I kind of got to grow as a person and be around yeah. other kids. Um, who were, I mean, it's was, it was interesting. I mean, it's it's for lack of a better observation, like it's interesting growing up going to a school where you're the only black kid in your class every year, mm-hmm. right? And then on top of that, when you realize that, like there's only like one, two black kids max per class. Mm-hmm that's an interesting thing to observe
1: data
2: wise <laughs> when you're
3: sitting like data wise like, like yeah 37 like 37 37? year old me is looking yeah. at that that's really weird but yeah. then when I was like going to school I was like wow like going to school like I remember it's funny I remember going to gym class and seeing like the kids who were like just above us mm-hmm. and being like wow those kids had basketball games oh man that's <laughs> so awesome mm-hmm. like I I've I looked forward to so much of like the daily rigors of school Mm. because Mm. I knew that if I took care of what I take care of in the classroom and on the courts and being a good person there that it would just it would it would work out like Mm. and so like for me like school like I don't think I ever I think I missed like less than like five days of school the entire time I was there because like it was just so much fun it was so much fun for me like Seeing the teachers, like the hallways, like I I just think through. I have, I think about that school every single day, and yeah. I'm not even, every single day I think about that school. Yeah. I remember I remember when they built the new gym, and I hated it. I was just like, "This is
2: terrible." <laughs> what <laughs>
3: is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this monstrosity?
1: You guys had a nice class. Well, like I was you gonna really say did. that we. I was gonna say like we. There was something about our class that was very familial, right? Mm-hmm. It was like we were a family, and even now the people I talk to most are the people I grew up with at Eastwoods and there's just (laughs) and it's so funny like there's just something there that was like a connect like a deep connection and I think that nobody ever thought I mean I know I know growing up like we never thought of anybody and it seemed like everybody in the class had something going on right there was kids whose parents were going through a horrible divorce or who had xyz happening right and we did like there was a very strong bond in that class yeah. I mean you know for whatever it was worth. but you did like you, I think because of your genuine kindness, were friends with everybody. Yeah. so like yeah. you know you you definitely had um a I would say like a positive experience like I thought in that way because you you were never like a shitster type of like you know yeah I,
3: it's, it's just I, well I also am a like I'm a realist like I also realized that like there was no room for me to be a fuck up, right?
2: Right, like, mm, Objectively, yeah.
3: like, because like, you know, yeah, yeah, sure, Chaz is a nice kid and like does his work and all that stuff. But like, reality is like, if I punch a kid in the face, like I'm probably getting suspended, if not expelled. Right, right,
2: right. right. And like,
3: I know, like, and is, like I'm, at the time, like, even though I was aware of what could happen then, like, I think I was so aware of it that I also knew like, I really can't, there's no, A, a there was never a need for, for anything like that to happen even with- right. On the field I was gonna stuff, say, whatever. who did you
1: want to punch in the face? That's, no, I'm just, <laughs>
3: Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I want to say, I, I, I want to say, I think like, I think like, like with all like the the fun gym class activities, I'm pretty sure like me and a couple people probably got into like little bumping matches, but that was it. It was never yeah. like a. It was, it was tame. Like, it, was,
1: it was tame. It was just I like
3: eight-year-olds being competitive. Like Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's... But that's such an interesting, <laughs> that's, that is such an interesting perspective that you had so early on. But did that, yeah. did, did your mother and grandmother ever talk to you about any of that? Or was that so like no. internal?
3: No, I think, I mean, a lot of that was from just like, like my grandma, like my mom, my mom was like stern, but she also was stern. She was more stern with my younger brother than me because mm. she kind of like, knew that, like, I was just gonna just yeah. be fine, like,
2: yeah. I think
3: I just didn't want to disappoint them, because I knew, like, it was so interesting, like, I, I remember one year Eastwood sent my mom the bill, right, and no, no, just for full transparency, mm. Eastwood's, Eastwood's covered my tuition every year that I was there, Um, and I actually, I actually know who covered it, too,
2: oh, wow, um,
3: yeah, like, I actually, like, know who, like, it, I think it was a- every year after, like, after kindergarten, like, they covered it, and the school covered it, like the first couple. So it was. So I was like, oh, cool, awesome. Um, I knew I didn't want to disappoint, like my mom. I didn't want to disappoint my grandma because, like, they raised me to be better than that. Like, mm-hmm. so like that wouldn't have made sense. But I also knew, like, I didn't want to disappoint, like, anyone else, because, like, I respected those older kids so much. Like, like the teachers, Mr. Honeybees. Yeah. Like, like I respected them so much, I didn't disappoint them. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, cool. I gotta just like go to school. I get to go to school hang out with kids, play some sports, go to gym class, have a two hour bus ride to read. All right, I'm good. I just didn't, so I just didn't, I knew I could like, I didn't wanna mess that up.
2: Yeah, and I knew so like, that, I
3: also knew that like, I didn't, I like it wasn't in my personal personality to be like on the track to mess it up. Yeah. Right, so right. I just, had to keep, I just had to show up and just like, you know. B. i I'd
0: yeah. like to point something out we live in the we live right on a uh, Huntington center port borderline Olivia and I are both in our childhood house right now we're both living with our mom at the moment for various reasons um but so we live I we I've worked I've gone from this house as an adult to working at Eastwoods it's like a 12 minute drive mm-hmm. and yet why were the bus rides so long to get there like it's an interesting like Gate like barrier of entry that well, they that could was created, I right? Can,
3: I can I can tell you why, right? So, what happened basically, what happens is they like within a certain radius, like each town, usually like the school set up so, like, each town could like get their own bus, right? But then outside of that radius, you kind of had to effectively like be picked up by a single bus that would go through like seven or eight towns,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? So, if I were driving from like, I loved in wine dance for several years um, while I was at Eastwoods. If we were driving straight from my house to Eastwoods, it was like 25 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. How come hop 495 being, being right there? Um, but, but on the bus, you would end up going to like, stopping at all these different towns on the way in. Right. And it was just like, like, all right, cool. Like, school started at what, 7.30? So I'm on right. the bus at 6 o'clock in the morning and getting yeah. there at 7.20 with yeah. 10 minutes to spare. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny, like as much as it was like a drag, it also allowed me to like, I remember in second grade, I read like 60 books that year.
1: Yeah. You were a big reader
0: because, <laughs> yeah.
3: because I was on the bus so long, yeah, I was bus- like, I'm just going to read all the time.
0: It's just, was, like, it's read. such an interesting thing. Cause like, it, we were like the far away kids like all of us like as if and and <sighs> as a kid you're like i guess i'm far away i don't know that seems to make <laughs> sense and then as an adult you're like i didn't even listen to three songs when i was driving there that's crazy and right. so it's just such an interesting and i you know so many of the kids lived right sort of at the the, the Bay, doorway right. of of the Lloyd school. Harvey, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah 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 and so it, it it really was it created this sort of like almost like barrier and like made it i felt very far away you know i wasn't going to go back to oyster bay to go hang out with people because right. that was far
2: that was that
3: was interesting i think that like around by like seventh eighth grade um i kind of realized like okay like like i knew we were living different lives but it was like yeah. it was it was increasingly obvious and not not that people were like rash about it or anything like that
2: mm-hmm.
3: it was just obvious that like oh like we're experiencing like our time together is our time together. And when yeah. we leave, we have very different lives, right? Like yeah. I remember, you know, I remember after like, if we had like a late soccer game or whatever, uh, and my mom like couldn't drive because she didn't have a car, uh, I'd end up getting like dropped up at the train station in some cases at, at, at Syosset train station and took the train from Syosset to Hicksville and then wait wow. for the transfer and then take the train from Hicksville to wine dance and then like walk. what were you
0: 12 like, were you like yeah uh, couldn't have been older than 14
3: 12 right. 12 yeah I think it was like 11 12. I mean but, like, I that guess didn't,
2: it, uh, that, did, but... that
3: didn't bother me like it wasn't right I, I think that I I think that I did what I had to do because that was what I wanted to do like mm. I wanted to be at Eastwoods I wanted to
2: right.
3: play the side I wanted to play soccer like I wanted to you know play varsity so we're getting home late and yeah a lot stuff yeah. and like it just was it just was right and it just like yeah it would have been great if my mom would have had a car every every night and like the game's over at five thirty I'm in the car at six right. and I'm home by six thirty no I'm not getting home till eight o'clock yeah and then it's like eating dinner and then it's like doing homework well right. probably most case, most of my homework's already done because I'm on the train so I'm doing homework on the train <laughs>
2: right.
3: I get home and so I mean it was um I, I think that like I'm I'm very thankful for that experience and you know, the people I got to meet along the way.
1: What happened after Eastwood? So you graduated eighth grade, and then what was the next fresh start after that?
3: Uh, I went to Deerfield for a year,
2: mm-hmm.
3: hated it. Um, went to St. Dom's for uh, a year and was like, oh, I'm back in Oster Bay yet again. Um, <laughs> and i was uh super excited to play basketball and then i was informed that i was not good enough to be on the team on the varsity team and that Mm -hmm. i couldn't and then i could barely make jv so i played jv for a year and then just was like screw this like why am i going to a catholic school where frankly kids are doing cocaine in the hallway when i can just go to my public school which at the time living in wine dance people were like oh you're gonna go to wine dance i'm just like yeah they're like and for the listeners out there uh Aside from so what's out there, Wine High School historically was on the New York State uh SUR list, which mm-hmm. ranks it in the bottom like five percent performance wise wow. of high schools in New York State. Because of that, uh when I was there, the state was was effectively running the school. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was terrible. Um not saying the people were terrible now the teachers tried their best the kids tried their best yeah the environment wasn't always conducive to the highest forms of learning um mm. but that being said uh, i actually enjoyed my i think that th- those two years were necessary there because i went from effectively being the only black kid in, in the all-white yeah. school system all-white school in a very small school to a catholic school which is super strict and you know very white and then um and a school of a bunch of black kids um who i had lived next to for nine years by that point right so right. i knew them they knew me but it was kind of always just like oh who is this weird kid who's not coming to school with us and then i go to school with them right and they're like oh you're actually not that weird um,
1: <laughs> Just nerdy no,
3: i'm just, just kidding nerdy you. yeah no, I, <laughs> honestly there, i remember there was a point when people who um so i played basketball and there are people who didn't know, like people I'd see in classrooms and they didn't know that I played basketball. Mm. And then they'd be like, oh, like we you doing up school. I'm like, basketball. They're like, you play basketball. And then they go to the game and I'm like on the team and I'm halfway decent. Um, and then on the flip side of that, there are people who know me from playing basketball. And they're just right. like, how come, I, how come I never see you in school? I'm just like, because I'm in class all the time.
0: We're in different I, classes. <laughs> we're, in, we're in different classes. Right. Like, And
3: then like, or it's like, or I go home after my class because I lived like four blocks from high school. So... Mm. It was um, interesting, and then so after there, I went to Colgate my freshman year. Yeah. Um, great school. Some of my best friends, like in the world, uh, are people I met during my that year there. Year and year and change there. I ended up leaving during my freshman during my sophomore year because uh, I had just gotten. I was just like in a very bad spot. Like mentally, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was yeah. I was drained, Um so I sophomore home. year is
1: hard sophomore year <laughs> we were just talking
3: about we were that. just talking yeah. about this it's a hard it just, year it's it was hard it was a hard year and I was just mentally all over the place and I just yeah I I felt like even though I had people who were great friends there who, who are great friends I, I also felt that like I was just like alone.
2: Yeah
3: um, and at, at a school like that when you're when it's snowing outside every single mm-hmm. day and it's cold and it's dark all the time.
2: Yeah
3: I was just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna head home. Um, so I have, so I was home for a year and change, taking classes at community college just to like kill time and not be too brain dead. Mm. And then uh, met an alum from Haverford, and within two weeks I was down there visiting. And a couple weeks later, um, I'm admitted and uh, enrolled in 2006 as a sophomore. Um, and yeah, I graduated from there. Um, interesting experience there. Uh, I, interesting. That's the right word there.
1: Um, (laughs) I mean, it's so interesting though, that you kind of wove your journey through these different worlds.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of course, like I ended up staying down in that area after college um, and met some of the best friends I've I've had since Um, was down there and was working for the college. And eventually was like uh, my boss left and I was like okay i guess it's time to move back to new york because philadelphia wasn't really cracking at the time it was right during the uh like aftermath of the recession
2: mm. a
3: lot of jobs weren't cracking so I moved back to new york and um yeah just oh but oh and by then i was fully engaged in my my track career stuff like post-collegiate wise oh so i was doing that so,
1: wait and... talk about that for a second casual oh,
3: go yeah, back to sorry, that by then yeah, i was serious. a professional <laughs> athlete yeah so i just so so i uh, I played basketball my entire life. And then during my junior year, my sophomore year of college, I'd have the track coach is like, hey, um, I was working a track and He's like, hey, you should come out for the track team. He had seen me around as an athlete. I'd play basketball and could dunk and all that stuff. And he was like, you should come out for the track team. But that spring, I was just exhausted and physically beat up. So I said, no. Junior year, I figured I'll do it outdoors. I do it outdoors and end up making like All-American. Hooray. Awesome. Awesome. senior year um start basketball season and mentally like i'm just not into it like i was just like i can't do this anymore uh for a variety of reasons it's like i can't do it so um decided just like at first i was going to not do anything and then the track coach is like hey if you want to run track indoors you can if not don't worry about it so i run track indoors do that everything's going great and then october 4th 2009 9th october 4th 2009 um, I tear my meniscus in my knee. <laughs> that, was uh, yeah, it was, that was fun. Uh, had the surgery October 15th, a week for my birthday. And then I'm uh, literally like rehabbing, make it back for outdoor season, go through a whole summer of training, compete the next indoor season, make make it all the way to like U.S. national indoors. Um,
1: Casual, still tra-
3: casual. Still training, competing, kind of doing that whole thing. Uh, moved back to New York because the training group based in New York wants to move back, so moved back to New York. I'm training with this mm. training group. Um, shout out, shout out Central Park Track Club. Um, mm. They were super awesome. You know, made gave, allowed me to have resources to train indoors, um, like at their expense, to be able to travel to different meets for, you know, California, Florida, at their expense, which is pretty awesome. Um, then a flurry of injuries came up and I just realized that I was spending like five hours a day, either in a cold tub or mm-hmm. in a physical therapist's office, trying to get my back and legs to work properly because it was oh just gosh. a lot of pain, a lot of pain. So I just, were you working?
1: Like what was, where's there? Oh, and,
3: oh, yes. I was working. Just. I was, <laughs> yeah, this, so, so this is, this is all 2013 through 2015, Okay, right? I'm training Like I'm literally my daily schedule looks something like this. I'd wake up at like five, five fifteen, go train at the armory in New York City, Um, do that for like train there for like an hour and a half, go back home, which is 10 blocks from my house, shower, go right to work. I'm at work and then after work, I'm gonna get PT at the either physical therapist or the chiropractor's office, Um, doing that for like an hour. Then going back uptown, getting my stuff, then going to evening practice. It was a whole thing. And did, I did you enjoy really,
1: that? Like, yeah. yeah.
3: I, so, so I actually <laughs> that so, was my
1: next question. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so for me, part of it was the routine of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love, I love the routine of just like being able to, like, just being an athlete. Like, there's something special about like having like being an athlete. Um, and when it was good, it was good. Like, I was pretty close to qualifying for the 2012 um, trial, Olympic trials. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, Oh, right there. there's a bit more training up. And it yes. just, it just, right it there. just, it just didn't come together how I wanted to. Um, and I was still competing and was doing like, okay. Uh, but I could feel that like things were like slowly, like an inch off here an inch off there. It weren't coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like pushing through, like, I, I had a great training group. I had a great coach. Um, and they were like hey listen like you're right there just hang in there it'll click it'll click it'll click and then eventually like like my back and legs the pain in my back and legs got really bad um and I was just like I can't be spending five six hours a day rehabbing just just to not make like certain events and so I was like all right cool 2015 I stopped um training um and yeah, and and then of course I got married. In, well, yeah, I wanted to talk about that for a second. So yeah.
0: wait, I have one thing to say though. You that was the routine that you had had your whole life basically since you were old enough to start sports at school, right? So more, more which was, or less, yeah. Right, fifth grade, sixth grade, something like right. that at Eastwoods. Yeah. So you had kind of been used to it. it must it was always like home. your routine was well it was like work and sport, work and sport. So it, it must have been very right, jarring like to yeah to give that up and to to be like. To give up that piece it, it explains where the where the art comes in right because that sort of comes into play in in around that time a little bit to 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 fill that space
3: yeah i mean there's definitely something to be said for like not being able to quote, unquote, go to practice but having a practice mm-hmm. a place to go right love that. um because like yeah like you're, you're 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 absolutely right there is a level of like one's identity which is tied up in mm-hmm being an athlete for good, for better or for worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you spend your whole life training for something and that's part of your, like your routine, like it's part of your identity. You, you know, it's funny, like I've met people and they'll be like, Oh, you're Chaz. Oh, you were the athlete at such and such. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> long time ago, long time. Ago. Um, and so you're right though. There is something to be said for, for that routine and, and what that, what that is and what that means for someone. Um, but yeah, um, Wait, I, so, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, though. I mean, it's it's yeah. all part of the larger experience. Well,
1: there's think. something about you, and I knew this about you growing up, but you just, and I want to like adopt this, this practice, that you see things, and then you're like, yep, I can do it, and then you do it, and you're like, yep, fine, sure, I'll do it, and you're so blase about it and humble and it's like you're doing all these like really big things and yet you're like "Mm, yeah yeah i did it sure
2: well i I think
3: it's (laughs) i think it's probably the product of like one being an athlete but also like growing up like before social media Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
3: uh, i feel like social media has for and social media is great like i'm not bashing social media but i think that there's a level of like social media is so much about promotion of the self in some Mm -hmm. capacity whether it's yourself Mm -hmm intellectually spiritually physically whatever the case may be artistically creatively um and like if there's there's something that it's very like much internally in me that is at odds with how social media functions because i'm so used to it being like show up somewhere grind like don't bring a camera don't videotape it like no one cares like mm-hmm. whereas like in this modern society of like ooh everything is content mm-hmm. like i look at like I saw a video the other day of like a like youth basketball, kids are in third grade and there's like legit camera crews there <laughs> videoing these kids. And in my head, I'm just like, you kids aren't even gonna like basketball in two years, mm-hmm. let alone, like you're being ranked by recruiting services. I'm just like, this is like, I remember in third grade, I was just happy to like dribble a basketball right. and like have fun. And I'm like, all you thousands of kids who think you're going to the NBA in the third grade, cause you're ranked number one in your class. Sorry, buddy, it's probably not going to (laughs) happen.
1: Which is so so interesting, though, because part of your art is showing your process
3: yes I hate that
1: part <laughs> yeah but it's such a fascinating but you part do a of good it. job and you of do it. you do a beautiful job at it so Thank wait you. before Thank we you. get into that I want to just ask a question so for for listeners Chaz's wife is one of the most beautiful women that I've ever seen she is gorgeous I like stalked her no joke um on social media I know I'm friends with her and I've never met her but um <laughs> we're like She's like lots my hype woman. Yeah, I know we'll, we're we'll, going we'll, I'm going to come to show. arrange a
3: thing. Yeah.
1: But how there. I I just um sh- so she's beautiful but her energy is beautiful too. But how did you meet her and like a little bit about like kind of how did how did you know you weren't raised in a household with a mar- with marriage. Yeah. So how did you know you kind of come to that decision to you know get married and start a family um that's a big fresh start in life. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, that's that's a def- that's definitely a qualify as a fresh start. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So we actually met uh, outside of the gym. I was actually leaving the gym, mm-hmm. and she was arriving with um, with someone who I knew. Um, so it was another woman from the gym uh, who I knew, uh, and it was just like I literally saw her was like, oh hey hey how you doing like and normally after workouts like I have headphones on sunglasses on like I'm walking the two blocks of the subway.
1: What a celebrity that you are. <laughs>
3: well, it's it's also like walking from the gym in Harlem. Uh, I think it was in the spring, like late springish. So I'm like coming, like, I think it was like after work. So I was already like, boop, like mentally yeah. checked out, mentally going to where I'm going yeah. to go. Uh, and it's New York City. So like, no one's like trying to stop you on the sidewalk. People are just going about their business. Mm-hmm. So um, was walking out the gym. So my friend said, hey saw my now wife and she was on the phone so i said hey to, like we just exchanged highs like she was like oh hi i said like, hi and that was it like and then a year later uh, i'm at that same friend's birthday brunch and um my now wife walks in and we're having separate conversations and then i've heard something that she was talking about um and we just started like having conversation and so yeah so we got married um late in 2015 actually um and then uh had the little guy in 2018
1: yeah he's hell anymore day. he's not <laughs> how um i love to ask this question because i'm a creative person and i have kids obviously how has becoming a father impacted your creativity and like the intersection of creativity and parenting? oh
3: man how has it inter- well it's it's funny um i, I think that for me like I, I try and I, I do a terrible job of this um, but I try not to be on my cell phone and mm-hmm. I try to like ar- around him and I, I do a terrible job of it sometimes because like I'll get caught up in something and or I'll, I'll, I'll or I'll Google something on a whim because I'll have a creative spark I'll Google something and then I'm like Googling things and I'm looking at images and reference things um, but um, sometimes I'll just pick up like I've tried to like have my sketchbook nearby yeah so like instead of instead of on the phone I'll just like casually sketching something right so it's not the brain train so it's not really that i'm not focused on him it's that he's seeing me with a book and not. yeah i love that i do that too um, mm-hmm. yeah so and also like you know there are times when like he'll want to draw on color and i'm like all right cool let's draw on color so like we'll do coloring stuff or we'll do painting stuff or um or we'll do just like something like we'll do board games right um so it's a lot of things just like keep his brain active because obviously like every kid i saw your tweet about this about like screen time right like of course Mm -hmm. my kid wants to watch paw patrol he (laughs) wants to he wants to play on the switch he wants to play on the ipad he wants to play the playstation and i'm just like yeah or you can do something that's you can read a book right so he's already reading and all that stuff reading and math and he's smart as a whip um
1: i'm sure yeah. not surprised. Yeah. His father is a big reader. <laughs> how mean, many books genetic. I was going to say, how, how is your reading these days? Do you still read as much?
3: Um, so it's funny enough. I so saw, I actually read a book for work because, uh, the company I'm at now, uh, they sent out a book about how they run their company culture. Um, so I read that in like two days. It's a short read.
2: Um, <laughs> but it
3: was pretty interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do have a list of books that I've yet to read that I purchased in the past couple of years. Mm. Um, but I have gotten better at stopping like slowing down on buying books. So I used to like yeah. buy books. I used to buy like legit like two books a month, three books a month, mm-hmm. and then would just like never read them. So I've slowed <laughs> down like
2: tremendously.
3: Um, even though I did just purchase two books today. Um, <laughs> but these, are two books, so these are two books, these two books that like have been on my, my two-read mm. list and will probably be read in a week. Excuses.
1: Um, yeah, yeah I have the same affliction. I have the same um yeah so for anybody that is going through a fresh start or a big transition in life what would be some wise words that you could impart
3: um wise words to impart I I think that different fresh starts call for call for different things right sometimes a Mm -hmm. fresh start requires you to jump jump in feet first Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and to kind of throw caution to the wind because in the end like there is no right answer about what you should or shouldn't do you just have to do right mm-hmm. sometimes like if you're wondering like oh should i start this career or that career like sometimes you just have to just start the career because like you have to just do it sometimes right um i think that when it comes to like you know new ventures or hobbies that you're wanting to explore like yeah go out and buy that paint set go out and buy that out and buy that rug like the, you know the rug making kit right go out and buy the the yarn to knit right mm-hmm. go write write the first chapter of the book you want to write um i think that like committing time to for for hobbies and skills and things like that if you're trying to make a fresh start there i just think that you have to incorporate those things into your daily schedule and you mm-hmm. know as as every habit book says you know like 21 mm-hmm. days of it 30 days of it 30 days 30 like 30 for 30 right like 30 days for 30 minutes and like eventually you kind of start to build up that like that reflexive muscle so that it's not that way you overcome that that dread really quickly right mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing is people are like oh I want to be a painter it's like well okay we'll go paint oh but then they find every excuse or, I want to work right. out but then they find every excuse and it's just like no you got to just like condition yourself like it's going to suck the first time it's going to suck the third mm-hmm. time it's going to suck the seventh time but eventually you're going to learn to embrace that and it's not going to suck. You're going to be part of the process. Um, As far as like big super life shifts, right? Moving cities and things like that. I think that there's something to be said for being in a new environment around new people. Um, Like for people who are thinking about, you know, moving to a new city, like mm-hmm. just move, like unless you have kids or you've got family that's actually tying you, like an elderly parent, things like that. Um, I, I think that, you kind of have to explore life like as you want to explore life, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's really easy. Like Coming from Long Island and most places are like this, but Long Island feels like this really, like, sometimes it can be really easy to for people to like not leave home, right? Um, and it's not that like you can't ever go back home, but I think that you need to leave the nest sometimes and yeah. meet fresh people and meet people who are just completely the opposite of you right because what you find is that people are never going to be the opposite of where you are if anything you'll find something that you have like that that you can agree on and you'll realize that like that gap that you thought separated you from all these people like it actually is not a gap it's actually like all these small little ties that you just haven't figured out you know um so like yeah you want to move to the west coast cool like if you're like 21 25 and you're working a job and you have no kids and your family is like doing okay do you want to move to the west coast yeah move to the west coast for three years like just do it you want to move to florida and do just do it because like it's going to come a point when like you're going to have to not have to per se but there's going to come a point when like you'll figure out what it is that you want to do like life has a way the universe has a way of just like putting you where you need to be right and unless you actually try things you're never going to really know um So yeah, I mean, I just think that for trying to get a fresh start, I think it's important just to like to put yourself in new situations sometimes and to just like if you're thinking about the fresh start, it probably means you need to just like the universe has probably already planted that seed. Mm. So you're probably already there. So you're just kind of just like, all right, like you you want to move to the West Coast. Like you've had you had the idea, you started Googling, you know, apartments and flights and jobs, right? So now you just actually just need to go.
2: Yeah, because, I love that.
3: Because if you don't, then you're always going to be sitting there thinking, like, "Yeah, man, three years ago I was researching flights and da 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 da, and it's just like, what's not to say what the worst could happen? But like, the worst that could happen is like you move out to Cali, you find a job, or yeah. you find a job, you move out there, and then you move back. And the people who ninety nine percent of the people who you know back home are going to be back home anyway.
1: true yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah.
3: Like, it's true.
1: it's so. true. I love that. That's beautiful advice I love that so now our fun question and I prepped you for this so you should have a good (laughs) answer um what was the last best thing that you ate and truly like loved
3: the last best thing that I ate and truly loved um so I love mint chocolate chip ice cream Mm. um and there was a point when I was eating like two like two gallons like probably like two half gallons a week I, I'd say, like, it, it was it was getting obscene um yeah
1: but you were also like running non yes <laughs> yes exactly
3: um but as far yeah. as like you know that that's my favorite thing i like to eat um it is good And i, I, I mean i had some had some last night
1: um <laughs> But yeah, I mean okay.
3: but I mean the, the wife's cooking is, is
1: awesome. <laughs> Good answer, Chess. Yeah, safe Good answer. Um well we are thrilled to have you here. And mm-hmm. you know, I just love you so much and I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of your journey. And you know, you are a family to us, like we, you know, you truly are. And you and your brother uh, are like an extension of the Dryzen family. And thank you. Um, thank you know, you we nice. just we are just so proud of you. And I just I know that the world hasn't even met you yet, and they're gonna just like fall in love with you. And your art is beautiful. We're gonna we're gonna post, you know, obviously everything in the show notes and the blog posts and stuff. But, um, I I truly mean it. Like I can't wait. Like when I manifest my dream house, it is full of your artwork. Like you know, I, talk I talk about, about it all the time. I talk <laughs> about the- well, it's like well,
2: listen. Well,
3: the the plan right now for and first off, thank you again for even having me on, and of course, like it's crazy the fact that like it's weird to know that we have classmates whose kids like Deborah's kids just yeah. turned four and they're the same I age that- and they live down the street which <laughs> so, um, is hilarious um, but thank you again for having me on and um, you know obviously I'm sure you'll put stuff in the show notes and hopefully the plan this year is to have uh, to be attending several New York City shows um, as an actual artist and not just a guy showing up at the event um which I will be sure to you know post about and yeah make sure that you're aware of so we'd love to see you there and I'll okay. try to come out to Long Island I, I think I might come out there at some point anyway so we'll definitely yes. um,
1: no we'll share everything well we yeah. want we want the world to see your beautiful art and it is well, thank you it so is much. so unique and one of a kind and the the mm-hmm. I'm so glad we had the chance to talk about your art and like the the story behind it because it is just you know comes from such a beautiful place and uh we're just so excited that we had the chance to talk to you so thank you (laughs) thank you thank you thank you for listening to today's story we're always here and we're proud of you until next time brave one
0: a fresh story is brought to you by fresh starts registry the first and only platform for everything you need to start again. You can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at freshstartsregistry.com slash podcast.